You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Wake Up with the Warriors. Before I get into this game, I want to have a quick programming note very quickly. Two quick things. The first is there will not be a podcast after Sunday's Game 2. I apologize for that, but I am going to be celebrating my dad's birthday. There will still be lots of coverage on our site, but there just won't be a podcast for that game. There will be for Games 3 through however many there are. And the second note is just to encourage everyone to visit our website, goldenstateofmind.com. The season is winding down, and our coverage is really stepping up to the plate to finish off the year strong. We've been having amazing content from recaps and analysis and fun pieces and deep dives. We have the amazing analytical video breakdowns by Apricot and Joe Veray. We have the fun and amazing, incredibly well-produced videos by Daniel Hardy, the Dr. Tom and the Gold-Blooded King podcast, recaps and analysis of every game and every piece of news. So just want to encourage everyone to make sure that they're reading what we're putting out because the season may be over soon, but we are really going full steam here for the NBA Finals. So, with that said, Game 1 of the 2019 NBA Finals, the fifth consecutive Finals for the Warriors, and for the first time of those five Finals, the Warriors did not start the series on the right foot. This was their first loss in a NBA Finals Game 1, And for that matter, Game 2 is going to be just the second time in this five-year run that they have played a game when they were trailing in the series in the NBA Finals. The only other time came in 2015, the first first run, when they fell behind the Cleveland Cavaliers two games to one. They came back in Game 4 and won by 21 points on the road. So if you want to cling to that as optimistic historical precedent, there it is. This will just be the second time that they've they've been in that situation. But based on their body language leaving the court in post-game interviews and whatnot, they certainly do not seem unfazed. All of the reporters around the team were talking going into this game about how loose the team was. And honestly, now that they're down one nothing, that level of looseness doesn't really feel like it has changed all that much. And a huge part of that, of course, is because they've been in this situation before. And they have proven time and time again that they can overcome the adversity of trailing in a series. 
It all started, of course, in 2015 when they fell behind the Memphis Grizzlies and really sharpened their iron in that series and became the team that they are. Had to do it again in the finals against the Cavs. We saw it in 2016 in the conference finals against the Thunder when they were down three games to one. We saw it last year in the conference finals against the Houston Rockets, then when they were down three games to two and trailing by huge amounts at halftime in game six and seven. In this Warriors run, this five-year dynasty wherein they have won 18 series and lost only one, they have never trailed in a series and then lost. The only series that they have lost in this five-year run was the 2016 NBA Finals where they didn't trail until it was over. They have never been behind a team with another game to play and not come back to ultimately win the series. That, of course, can change this year. Toronto is a tremendous team who clearly outplayed the Warriors in Game 1. So I don't say that to suggest that the Warriors are unbeatable by any stretch of the imagination, just that there is a level of comfort with them here that you won't see with any other team, just because they've been through this so many times before that I cannot imagine there is a shred of doubt or worse yet panic in that locker room, because at this point, after five years of doing this, after going 18 for 19 in series during that stretch, this is just part of it. They're used to this at this point. It's not that big of a deal. So with that said, let's get into the game. And the, the Raptors in this game really just out-executed the Warriors on both ends of the court. Things looked a little bit better for Golden State in the second half, and they really showed a lot of potential for things that they are wanting to do in this series. But for the most part, Toronto just did a tremendous job of making the offense difficult for the Warriors and of combating a lot of the things that the Warriors were doing defensively. It started with the way that they were attacking Steph Curry in the pick and roll. They forced Curry early on into a lot of difficult and uncomfortable situations. And while Curry used his majestic skills and and kind of wizardry to work around it and, and still perform very well, it slowed things down a little bit. It stagnated things. And one of the things going forward for the Warriors that they're going to have to pay attention to is the level of aggression that Curry has because he was very good in this game. Very, very good in this game. And the Warriors might just need him to do more in Kevin Durant's absence. And I don't mean to play better because he played very well. I just mean to be more able and willing to be the guy who is taking the most shots on the team. He took 18 shots tonight. He made eight of them. He went four of nine on threes, a perfect 14 of 14 on free throws, which shows you how aggressive he was being. He finished the game with 34 points, 
five rebounds, five assists to three turnovers. So it, it was a great, great game for Curry. It really was. But when you look at how stagnant the Warriors' offense was for so much of this game, there has to be a feeling that Curry shouldn't be taking 18 field goal attempts, but he should be taking 26, 28, 30, putting up James Harden numbers and totals in terms of just the frequency that he's shooting. And, of course, part of the brilliance of Curry is that he never demands that. He always has faith in his teammates, and he always believes that they can and should be taking shots. So maybe it goes the other way. Maybe we continue to see this strength in numbers philosophy, and it plays out a little bit better in Game 2 than it did in Game 1, because that is is highly possible. But once the Raptors forced the ball out of the hands of Curry, the offense just stagnated. It had a hard time finding anything. Draymond Green had a hard time scoring. He was 2 of 9 from the field, though he did have a triple-double. Again, 10 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Klay Thompson had a decently efficient night, 21 points on 8 of 17 shooting, 3 of 6 on threes. But they missed that Kevin Durant factor. They missed that guy who, when the offense is stagnating, they can just give the ball to and get up a shot. That said, they shot the ball pretty efficiently. 43.6 from the field, 38.7% from downtown, 29 of 31 on free throws. But they turned the ball over 16 times. That was where the stagnation really kind of hurt them. But with that said, in the second half, they really hit their offensive stride. After just 49 points in the first half, they had 60 points in the second half. But it wasn't enough with how well Toronto was playing offensively. And that started with Pascal Siakam, who had a a simply phenomenal game. 32 points, 14 of 17 shooting. 2 of 3 from downtown, 2 of 2 on free throws, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, a steal, 2 blocks. He was simply phenomenal. And when the Warriors kind of started this game, they didn't play well defensively in the first half. They gave up 59 first half points. And a lot of the times they were just letting pretty much everyone on Toronto shoot threes uninterrupted and undisturbed. The Raptors have had a few players such as Siakam and Marcus Gasol not shoot the ball particularly well in, in recent playoff games. And it seemed like the Warriors were maybe putting a little bit too much weight onto those recent struggles rather than putting weight onto the season-long totals, which will tell you that you don't want to leave Pascal Siakam or Marc Gasol open and alone. And that came back to bite them. Um, Siakam and Gasol combined for 52 points on 20 of 27 shooting, 4 of 7 on 3-pointers. Uh, they just destroyed the Warriors, and, and it didn't really feel like a case of anyone blowing individual matchups, not playing good individual defense. It kind of just felt like the Warriors were so focused on taking away Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry's shots, which they did a decent job of doing, that they forgot that Pascal Siakam and Marc Gasol and Danny Green 
and Fred VanVleet are really good offensive players. And of course, you have to make some concessions anytime you're you're guarding an offense, especially a very good offense such as Toronto's. You have to make concessions. You have to prioritize Kawhi Leonard over other players, and you have to leave some people open. But it felt like the Warriors went a little bit too hard on that strategy. And really, rather than finding, you know, one person that they were going to concede shots to, it really felt like they were more focused on one person that they weren't going to concede shots to and letting one of the truly elite teams in this league get anything else they wanted, and that isn't going to work. So DeMarcus Cousins returned in this game, which was great to see. He did not look particularly good. He looked slow. He didn't look 100% healthy. He certainly didn't look very well conditioned. He only played eight minutes. He did do some really good things. He had some very nice passes, had two assists, two steals. Uh, He shot 0 of 2 from the field, but got to the free throw line for four free throws. He made three of them. So there were some good things there, and it was certainly an emotional boost for the Warriors, uh, but it There wasn't too much there to suggest that he's going to be a factor in this series. Of course, we're all waiting to see when Kevin Durant returns. It is highly unlikely that he will play in Game 2. Could happen, but certainly is unlikely. So, the Raptors got the best of the Warriors. Really kind of controlled this game from, from the very end of the first half to... To the final buzzer, the Warriors never really put up too much of a fight. They, they cut the deficit a few times, but the Raptors always felt a little bit in control. The bad news for the Warriors is they just didn't play very well. The good news for the Warriors is they didn't play very well, and they still only lost by 9 points, 118-109. to 109. It feels like there are a lot of fixable things that went wrong tonight. It feels like the adjustments they're going to make from game one to Sunday's game two should be fairly, for lack of a better word, easy, straightforward, um, there to be made. So we'll see if they make them or if they fall down and end up with their backs against the wall down two games to none. Either way, game two is going to be fascinating. Enjoy it. Thanks for listening, everyone.